you've been looking for a podcast to help you transform your physical and mental one that'll shoot you straight between the eyes with truth and no bs helping you have the right mindset to accomplish things the iron will and fortitude to follow through with what you say you're going to do no excuses Mark owns martial arts schools, and after 30 years, he has some real insight for real talk, real life, real conversations, motivational, fitness, self-defense, weight loss, live from the Great 1-8. This is Real Talk with Mark Cox. There, mic's on. Now, now we're live. We're going to get a lot of people tuning in to hear Lynn Olivis Ashley. Hi. <laughs> did you have to get up early for this? Yeah, I, I did. I got up did at you? like 7. <laughs> yeah. Okay, hold on one second there, kid. I, I thought that my mic was ready to go, but it's not quite. It's, it's giving me problems here. Look at that. We already got people all popping on to say to see you guys to see miss ashley we got a lot of play miss ashley i think everybody's looking forward to hearing the story about you a little bit been with me for a long time if you guys haven't met ashley sage she's our she's the one that runs our little dragons program here in chatsworth and pretty much everything else because that's what she likes to do <laughs> right am i wrong no no right she, she's uh control she's, freak right that's correct so tell tell everybody, Miss Ashley, how long you been with us? How long you been in my studio? When did you start? I started at Chatsworth Karate probably back in two thousand seven. Yeah, it's about two thousand seven. So I've been here fifteen years, sixteen years. Yeah. So man, that's been a long time, right? It's been a long time. Yeah, so, I mean, you've been part of here so, for so long that it's just, it, I, don't, I don't remember the school without you here. That, that's how long it's been, you know. You guys will remember things. Um, but I think I, you've been here with us for so long that it's, uh, you're like part of the furniture at this point. So, okay, so let's uh, let's talk about Miss Ashley for a second. Ashley, why don't you tell everybody where you're, talk, talk about your family first. You, you know, you've... Um, Who's at home, your family that you're here, and and uh, then we'll get into a little bit more in-depth stuff about you. Uh, well, immediate family includes me and then my two sisters, Susanna. She's off at college right now in Waco. Um, she's currently working on getting her bachelor's degree, I think, in psychology. And then um, Cassie's at home right now. She's my disabled sister and uh, she's with a family friend. So I could come and do the podcast this morning in peace. That's that's correct. We have, uh, as people know, we have uh, John Viverka's wife helping us out today so that you can come and do this. Right. Gisella, yes. Gisella stepped in to help um, help with uh, Cassie a little bit. So let's start. First of all, let's start with your early, early stuff, because I have some other stuff I want to talk to you about. And uh that I think you can get to bring to the table, but um, 
I in your little bio, you know, it's funny. I always learn something about you guys. I didn't know you did uh, uh, Taekwondo before you came to me. Let's, yeah, I let's was talk at, about that. I was at Master Ma's on Reseda Boulevard. And I started up at the YMCA and his son was teaching there and they had invited me to go and train at the main school. So I did that right before mm. my mom forced us to move up north with my aunt for a little bit because she had to take a brief time away from the family. So. <laughs> well, we can we can talk about that or not talk about that. That's up to you. You, yeah, you know I, I don't mean? care. We, we, we uh, because I think that's all part of who you are and it's all part of who mom was. Okay. Yes. And, and, and what she, you know, we, we'll spend a little bit of time with mom because we get to reminisce about her because, you know, we all love and miss her. But, um, so you were up north for a while. You came back. Is this when you came back to Chatsworth? Then did you come and live here in, in Chatsworth, right down the street from the school? Is that what happened? Yeah. I was living on Lurline before. Yeah. Yeah. I was Lurline and then Jermaine Street. I was right over by Jermaine Street Elementary. That was where we were living before we moved. And then when we came back after, um, I don't know, maybe a year, we lived with my grandma and then we moved and we moved down the street to the apartments. And my mom was like, well, the school's right there. You can walk. I don't have to take you. I don't have to take care of you. You could just go on your own. I was like, okay. I was close enough and the locals were friendly enough that she didn't care. Yeah, well, back then it was just a little bit different than it is today, you know, right? We weren't, we didn't have tents on the sidewalk when you had to walk to the studio or uh, guys wheeling knives across the street, you know, and and machetes. So that that was a different time, and that was a very short time ago, isn't that? It's amazing, right? Yes. So, um, so tell. I want you guys. Let's talk about just kind of your past a little bit, and. You're, you know, when you came into martial arts, well, you you were young, so you were doing junior, you were doing junior karate at, out of the gate, right? Yes. Did your sister start with you, or did you come by yourself first? Uh, here I started by myself, and at the other place, she never joined me. But so I started here by myself, and Susanna probably joined me when she was eleven, mm-hmm. and then she was with it until she was about seventeen. So, also, people may not know that you have an older brother too, right? Yeah, Jake. Uh, right, right. Named Jake, and uh, Jake's another one that likes martial arts. He he does his mixed martial arts, correct? Yeah, and, we uh, got our purple belts maybe a week away from each other. Funny enough, and he trains out in Vegas at Syndicate. Mm-hmm. Right. So you know, it's, it's a kind of a family thing that uh, your family and brother's big. He's a he's a, he's a big boy. He's fought a couple times, I believe, in in MMA too. So it's kind of, uh, you know, a fighting spirit is kind of what's what's inside your your home anyway, you know, in, starting with your mom. But uh, it was kind of rocky at first. So I want to talk about that on so you so people can have an understanding of when people make a decision to change. Right. Which your mom did. She changed her life, which in turn changed your life. And from your past, you are just on, on a different path altogether. Um, so let's talk about mom's, mom's past when, when, what had happened and where you had to live before you, before you were able to come here to Chatsworth. Okay. Uh, okay. So we were, let's see, I was in first grade and, um, we were living on Lurline 
And my mom had told me at one point in time that she was going to have to go serve time in prison because she had essentially broken the law by smuggling drugs across the country unintentionally. She just, she was on the run because at the time her and my father were in an abusive relationship. And so she was running from that and she left me, Susanna and Cassie here in California with my dad, which he never touched us. He was always good to us for the most part. And um, my mom got arrested and it was a federal case. So she ended up having to serve about eight months in a federal prison up in Dublin, which my aunt was kind enough to take me and Susanna in. And then Cassie stayed down here with my grandma and we were separated for that amount of time. And we went to go visit my mom maybe every other weekend and um, visiting was hard, but you know, it was uh, always a nice experience that we got to see her. We didn't have to wait the whole time before we got to see her again. Mm -hmm. And then after that, we moved back down to Southern California with my grandma we moved back into her house. And then we moved into the apartments across the street. And then we ended up where we are now, but my mom decided before she was going to serve time that she was going to be clean off everything forever, which she held to, which was really nice. Right. So, well, yeah, that's like, like we talked about, I think probably the, I've talked to when, when mom was with us, you know, I talked to her a little bit about her story anyway, but she, um, that was probably a turning point for her to, to make a change. And, you know, what was it? What was it like? So, I mean, what did you see drug abuse in your home or was it sheltered from you? I wouldn't say I ever witnessed my mom do drugs or sell drugs. I was more I more interacted with other drug addicts and other people who were actively using at the time or selling or whatever, because she would also take me everywhere. I, I went everywhere with her. And so um when she was a bail bondsman, she would bail people out of jail who were not the uh, prettiest of characters. And so I would go with her just to make sure that she was okay. And then I got to kind of meet these people and interact with them. And I've seen how drugs can affect people firsthand. And I've seen how it affects families. And I just, I'm very lucky that I didn't have to deal with that with my mom directly. But it was one of those things that uh, very soft drug use. I mean, marijuana, you know, people have their different opinions on it now, but back then it was, my mom would not let me be around adults if they were using at the time. So her friends, if they came over and she felt like they were off, she's like, get out. And it was okay. Yeah, see you later. Like we were young enough that it was like, you're not allowed to be here. You have to leave. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I remember, I, and that's unique, right? That mom comes out and she becomes a bail bondsman. And so, <laughs> and um, I know, I remember a couple times I'm like, man, I'd like to go, I'd like to go bail bonds picking up people. You know what I mean? But you, then you, t <laughs> you told me that there was times that you're even out going and getting these guys like uh, Dog the Bounty Hunter. Yes. Uh, Miss Ashley, when you're what, seven? Yeah, I was probably like 10. <laughs> I had just gotten my black belt, so I was fine. It's so, <laughs> I think that's I think that's funny. We, your mom and I, laughed about that quite often. Sometimes when she, we we would get a chance to talk and and stuff like that. So, with that being said, though, your mom also started 
was a big part of the recovery ministry at Rocky Peak, correct? Yes, Celebrate Recovery over yeah. at Rocky Peak. She definitely, obviously, she couldn't run all the groups, but she really enjoyed helping, and she made me and Susanna help, and we loved being a part of the kids' ministry for that because people with drug problems have kids, and they needed something to do with their kids while they were in service. So me and Susanna would usually go to the daycare or we would just help run it. Yeah, that's that's the uh, see that's the other side of of being able to uh, come out of something and then do nothing but you know, enlighten other people's lives and that's what your mom did because I, I remember s- uh, turning people over to mom several times because you know that world is just out of my wheelhouse, you know what I mean and so, but she had a, a super kind heart and a loving attitude, but with a tough, you know, if you, if you didn't do what she asked, I mean, you were out. I mean, I remember it like it was yesterday, you know what I mean? And, but it was common too, to have people sleeping on your couch that she's trying to help out. Correct. Yes. So you- we, we usually always had a visitor that was staying with us until they could get back on their feet or they lost their sobriety. And then my mom would kick them out and tell them to go mm-hmm. get clean for X amount of time. And you can come back and we'll try again. Right. Yeah. I, mom was always awesome at those, at those things. So let's, uh, let's fast forward to see what, what, what happened. I mean, that's the, that's the beauty of your mom at that time. So there this is now mom. Let's talk about mom getting sick. Okay. And what that did to shape how you're at Chasworth Karate now. So, so much because you made some, I'm not sure the students here really know your story of what you were going to do and how you put your life on hold for your sister. And when it, before we go down the road, so Cassie, you have a disabled sister. So why don't you talk about what, what it is that how old she is and is she's verbal, nonverbal and how that, and how, what you take care of there on a daily. Um, Cassie is her original diagnosis, which I think has changed based on terminology and what people are okay with nowadays is technically changed, but her original diagnosis was uh, mental retardation and severe autism. In which case, uh, mental retardation is not something that the medical field likes to continue to use. So they'd probably label her something differently. But mentally, she's probably about the equivalent of a seven-year-old. Now, she is eight years older than me. She just turned 31 this year. Yeah, she turned 31 this year. And so she's eight years older than me. And um, she just... Every day is a different day with her. I will say that she has a routine and especially right now with COVID and everything, the routine has changed to something that she's kind of had to readjust to And the first couple of months were for sure hard. But I mean, as far as verbal goes, she's able to communicate basic words and phrases like water or bathroom, or she wants to watch a TV show. Um, she can write, it looks about as equivalent to maybe a doctor's writing. So it's like scribbles. Mm -hmm. And then, um, she can read on her own. She has no reading comprehension necessarily. Uh, she can use the bathroom on her own. She needs help with everything inside the bathroom. She can't brush her teeth. I brush her hair. Um, I give her a bath. Yeah. I want to say, I think that's it. For the most part, so you're basically almost a, a 
a full-time caretaker. And, you know, of course you have help when it comes to, um, you know, there's other, other people that come in and help with the, with the taking care of her. And then of course, when COVID came around, you know, she was going to school for a while, you know, and then when that routine, and we know we, we work with a lot of kids with disabilities. And so you take out a routine and you completely take it away. It's, it's a, it's a building process to, yes. to do the next. Right. And so when school comes back, if it comes back or whatever, it's going to be a whole new process. Right. So this is, this, this is a daily routine and I've told you this before. And when I talk about, um, just how special you are, what you have to do on a daily basis is nothing like what I, I was a single dad, but my kids could take care of themselves ever since they were young, you know, including doing their laundry and everything that came with that. Right. You are having to take on a mother role and uh, a sister role and a caretaker role all in one. And then you still come and train and you show up to teach and you, and, and what it is. I mean, it's, I know that you're in the middle of it. So you just don't think of it like we do. Right. Cause when I look at it, I'm like, could I do that? You know what I mean? I have, I have to, I, I ask myself quite often when I think about you, I'm like, what would, what, what does that life look like? Because, um, you, you've took, you took on this role because mom got sick. Right. So let's talk about mom's diagnosis here real quick and what so we can run that down. Um, it was May of my senior year in high school. I was actually at grad night at Disneyland and I was with my friends and I got a missed call from my mom as a very short voicemail. She's so to the point, doesn't want me to worry. She's like, hey, I wasn't feeling well. So I went to the emergency room. Don't worry. I'll, I'll see you tomorrow. I was like, OK. And so I called her. I'm like, I can get a ride home. What do you want me to do? She's like, you have to take Susanna to school in the morning and you have to make sure Cassie gets off on the bus. I am going to spend the night in the hospital. I was like, okay. I was like, are they running tests? What's the deal? And then that happened. And I think we went to go visit my mom that day. And then the next day, my aunt had flown down and she was there. And then me and Susanna were on our way back to all of you. And, um, Susanna mentioned something on the way there. She was like, yeah, I can't believe it. It's uh, stage four. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, they didn't tell you. I'm like, no. And she was like, oh, well they, they think, uh, mom has stage four colon cancer. I'm like, where, when did you get this? And I didn't get this information because we've been together this entire time. And she was like, oh, Kim told me, or one of the nurses had mentioned it while Susanna was in the room and I had stepped out. So I had no idea that this had even come up and we were on our way back there. And I was like, oh, well, okay. And so then we went and we talked and we talked with my aunt and everything. And um, after I want to say maybe like mm, a couple weeks, that's when they had kind of given us the estimation of how long she really had, which was anywhere from like a year and a half to maybe two years left based on how far gone she already was. And so at the end of it, she had gone through several chemo treatments. We went through alternative treatments down in Mexico. Susanna went with her and she went to different parts of the States looking for um, any kind of help, anything that would help as far as uh, 
making her get better or making her life last just a little bit longer so she could make sure things were settled for us before she had to go. But um, she ended up passing 11 months later in April of 2017. April 2017. So, yes, I remember mom, uh, you know, she talked to us a couple times with this and, you know, she had conversations about about you with me and then let's talk about what your decision was because I think one of the most memorable things is when Kenny and I and Michael because uh, Michael Michael was was close to mom um, my son enjoyed your mom immensely As a matter of fact I think he still has her up as his profile picture a lot of times on Facebook you know because it, it's just you know your mom mom made an impact on my son so uh, with stuff you, like that, I mean, Michael used to come over to the house between classes and my mom would feed him dinner and it right. was the homemade <laughs> meal stuff, but he was always like, yeah, like, let me come over and I'll hang out with your mom for a little bit. And then we'd go back to the school together because it was so close. We just took me seven minutes to walk home. So uh, I was like, sure. Like she always loves company. So. so that's what Michael's doing, getting free food. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna hit him up with that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell him you, you had Ashley's mom making you food all the time. What the heck? <laughs> right. And so I remember when mom was really sick and we surprised her with an honorary black belt. And I remember she was so mad at us for being up there. Remember that? She was like, Ashley, why did you bring them here? Yep. Right. <laughs> so she didn't it, care that you were in the room. She was mad. And I was like, well, <laughs> I, I can't say no to them either. You know? I, <laughs> yeah. This is something that, we wanted to do for her and we wanted to do for you to have that memory that, you know, martial arts was important to her and that you stick, that you stuck with it. And, and, uh, believe it or not, you know, mom's, uh, memorial service, you know, it really impacted, uh, Rose, uh, Gomez. I don't know if you know that or not, but there were several, several people that your, I don't know, just the service alone was an impactful to, uh, people, you know, because your mom was such a godly woman, you know, for a fact that on her last breath, she, she woke up, uh, on the gates and, you know, welcomed with open arms and have, having a life that, you know, this, I thought about you, I was with, when I was with Kat last week, we, she was talking about a book that's out in about, you know, the five people in heaven. And then there's this other book that she wants to read. And we were just talking about what that looks like um, when somebody goes to heaven. And the question came up, if they can come back, why wouldn't they? And then the question came up like, who, who would want to come back? See, that's the thing, Right. And I was like, wow, that is pretty an impactful statement because losing your mom, losing Cody, people that are close to me, and I'm like, they're probably right. They'd probably rather be up there waiting for us to come than to come back to this uh, this, this godforsaken world that seems to be uh, a sinking ship and then it rises and goes up and down. So I, I thought about you when we were having that conversation about your mom and and how proud she'd be of you anyway, looking forward to 
the difference you're making in the world. So, but this took a time. Uh, I did. I'm, I'm not sure a lot of people actually knew that you wanted to go in the Marine Corps. Is that correct? Yes. I, I what well, originally I wanted to enlist, but my mom said that she would disown me. So I had to take the officer route. And so I was looking at ROTC schools for colleges and that's all I applied to. And I applied to the Naval Academy to look at doing that route, which is a very vigorous um, application process. But one of the hardest things that you need to get is a congressional nomination from one of your congressmen. And so I got a nomination from Brad Sherman at the time to go to the Naval Academy. It's just the other areas of the application weren't what they were looking for. So I was going to look at doing the ROTC route. And I think I had settled on San Marcos at the time, mm. uh, Cal State San Marcos. And so I think it was I had got my exception letter and I had gotten the denial from Naval Academy. So it was like I knew where I wanted to go because it was close enough that I could come visit my mom and I could come visit the school because I still wanted to train as often as I could. And within, I think the next week, that was when we had found out about her diagnosis. And I was like, well, can we transfer to Cal State Northridge? And sure enough, we contacted CSUN and they were super understanding. And they were like, yes, you were accepted to a different Cal State. We will accept you here based on your family circumstances. Because I never even applied to CSUN because they don't have a ROTC program. Mm. Uh, I didn't know that. And so you've made a decision at that point that you, you stopped that pursuing that because you knew that you're going to take on the role of taking care of your sister. Correct. Yes. And my mom said that I couldn't not go to college and wait for her to die. I had to go to college and in the hopes I was going to finish before or right after or whatever the timing was going to look like. So I was going to make her happy. And so I went to college at CSUN for my first two years. And I was working on getting my degree in teaching elementary school kids. And things just got a little too overwhelming at the time because my mom had died right in the middle of my first year at CSUN. And so then that second year was like me trying to figure it all out and everything else. And so mm -hmm. I kind of just had to take a step back and take a break. Because it wasn't working and it wasn't going to get any better the way I was going. It was stressful. I remember those times with you that doing school was, and then when you came and told me, um, you know, that you've already made such grown up decisions for yourself that it, sometimes I think that uh, you, you take on more than most adults can take on. So, you know, the decisions you're going to make is what you're going to make. And, you know, you've you've decided to go kind of a different route and uh, and then having a martial arts school is something that you are starting to to kind of want. Right. Definitely or, more than I did before college, probably. Yes. Mm -hmm. And a lot sooner, because when I was looking at doing the military, I was planning to be gone for about eight years and then I was going to come back. Yeah, that's uh, just I'm not sure people knew that about your story about I wanted to make sure that that people understand because um, a lot of people ask, you know, you you have a, a great teaching ability. And then when it comes to kids with disabilities, you know, that we're all kind of into that here anyway. And we kind of bounce off each other because some of the kids will relate to some better than others. And Michael's good with it. Myself, yourself. 
And it's just something that we have a heart for. And you are able to to uh, articulate as an instructor. So this is why you're only 20. What are you, 22, 23? How old are you now? 23. So you're 23, but you take on the responsibility of almost a 40-year-old adult, you know, trying to take care of. You have a sister in college that you've allowed to. I think you told your sister, you go on and, and do your college. I'm going to stay back and and uh, take care of my sister. And this is the thing that I'm not sure people know either, that you would absolutely refuse to ever have your sister not with you. And, you know, as you grow into uh, a young woman and you look for relationships in the future or being married, that she is part of the deal and that's just the way it is. Combo. Correct. Yes. So, you know, and there's a unique guy out there, whether he gets past me is, is another thing. I don't know. Uh, we'll have to see, uh, how that, how that plays out. But I just, yes, I just think that because I, I know that you were, you were pressured, I believe to have her more in a home. Correct. And you just would not, you will not, you didn't bend to that pressure and you took on the responsibility and, and, and pretty much made that decision that you're going to do what you're going to do. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, funny enough, the pressure at one point was really from my mom because she was like, I don't want you like stuck. You know, I don't want you stuck with her for your life. You should consider putting her in a home. I'm like, no, it's it's OK. I'm not really stuck. It's just uh-huh. she's kind of with me. Yeah. Yeah. I know. We enjoy it when she comes down here because it's funny. I mean, I can be in my office and I'm like, you hear the screaming. I'm like, oh, Ashley brought her sister today. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, it's 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 been fun uh, watching for her. And then so well, let's talk about your martial arts journey now. So this is kind of your your where you're at. And then, you know, you have a lot of stuff that you that you have dabbled into. You know, you've you've taken things a lot like Mr. Carlin to a different level of your training and, and gone into the dog brothers. I mean, people, I'm not sure people know that you have fought in, in these, what these things are called the gathering. And I mean, uh, when I get to go out there and watch you and, and see your progression, I mean, you just, I mean, you worked over that last chick that you fought. That's all I can tell you, you know, and people don't know about this gathering. It's at a, it's at a North Hollywood park. Uh, there's knives and sticks and, a chains or whatever that you're going to fight each other with or staffs and you do full on fighting with them. You have a face mask on and maybe some hand protection, but I mean, people are getting lumped pretty good. And, uh, and the, your last fighting down there was something to see, you know, uh, just how you dominated. And that just goes from all your training that you do. So you have the dog brothers that you do. You've been doing jujitsu for a long, long time. And, uh, John John says that you're a badass, and that's what he's saying right there. Look at that. Thanks. See, he's a good instructor. Yeah, um, really good instructor. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, so when you when you went uh, that route, then you're doing your jujitsu and how you train for it, and now you've taken this competition to the to the next level, and you can see. Right. You're on your weight loss journey, just like all of us are. You know what I mean? And, you know, you're down now because you're trying to get into a better competing weight 
for jujitsu. And then you took your sister down the same road, right? Getting her a healthier, uh, you know, uh, having her uh, go right along with you to to keep her in a in, in a healthy uh, in a healthy weight. So let's talk about about your your different martial arts. What what drew what drew you to the the Dog Brothers to do that? What the jujitsu, uh, you know, getting your master's rank in Tongsudo. Now you're going out to Krav Maga. So let's talk about what made you do all that. Um, well, I started everything with traditional martial arts and at the end of the day, I bring it all back to that because it's where I feel everything kind of grew from. Um, as younger students and lower ranking students, you always made us grapple and grappling tournaments here was something I was always interested in. So as soon as I had heard about the adult jujitsu classes here, I'd asked my mom because I was 11 at the time I was in middle school. And so the deal was that I was going to go to the adult jujitsu classes as long as I took my, um, my neighbor with me, Dave Gilmore at the time. And so we would go together and, um, Tuesday, Thursday nights, we would just go and we would train and we'd walk home together because we lived 10 feet from each other. And it was, uh, really good time, but I had to do the adult classes because I was teaching at the same time our junior class was on Tuesday nights, our junior jujitsu class. I never got to participate in because I enjoyed teaching just a little bit more. And then I figured out I could go to the adult jujitsu classes. So I started that with Felipe Ruiz for a long, long time. And then the jujitsu classes is kind of where I actually started to um, branch into dog brothers more because uh, Alex Bonarenko would stay afterwards and he would work on his dog brother stuff. And it always fascinated me and he would pull me in and we'd start drilling. And then I got to meet crafty and I just was completely, um, it was a different person. It was a very different instructor. That was now I was exposed to. I've been around you. I've been around Mr. Carlin. I've been around even grandmaster Chikawa and, Crafty was just a different animal altogether because it was very informal and formal in the same way. You know, I'm like, do I call him Mr. Crafty? Do I call him Mr. Denny? Like, what do I call him? He's like, you just call him Crafty. I'm like, okay. So, you know, I would go down to Crafty's maybe once to twice a week, almost every week, every other week with Alex for about, I don't know, maybe a year, year and a half, two years. And then um, I ended up going by myself because people just kind of, they moved away and they moved on with life. And I just still really enjoyed working with Crafty. And so I continued with that and I continued working with him. So I wanted to say I started Dog Brothers maybe in 2015, 2016. And I like, that was kind of when I met Crafty. I went to a couple gatherings before I actually fought because I kind of needed to watch it and see what it was about and really like psych myself up for it. One of the first ones I went to was actually John Viverka's first gathering. And I remember talking to crafty afterwards. He was like, so when are you going to fight? And I was like, next one I'm here. I'll, I'll do it. He was like, okay, I'll see you at the next one. And sure enough, I prepared and I fought in that one in 2018. And then I was preparing for the one in 2019 and Crafty had invited me to the tribal, which you need an invitation. You cannot show up. It is not something that's open to everybody. And so Crafty had invited me to go fight at the tribal in 2019. And that was where I ascended to the term bitch, which is the first tier to becoming a full dog brother. But for women, you can either be a bitch, which is a female dog, or you can be a cat. 
and I wanted to be a bitch. So I'm currently just a bitch. And then um, <laughs> we're going to leave that go. Go ahead. Yeah, that's OK. <laughs> and then um, with the jujitsu, we kind of started to really pick back up again. I never stopped training. That was the thing. I just I was always continuously training. But uh, you brought Sergio around December of 2020. Is that right? Is that Is it? Right? So we're in 20, 21. the end of, well, I don't know. We've had him for more than a year. Yeah. Cause we so, had them all of 2021. We, it was, it was in there. I, I want to say we almost had him for two years now. Oh, you we know what? Really it was December back. of 2019. That mm -hmm. was, I think the first time I met him and I was here and I walked in the office and I saw you talking with him and I was like, Oh, wow this is the guy he's been talking about. And then I came back out and it was just, it was such a, he was like, you want to roll? I was like, I don't have any of my gear. I was not very prepared to roll, but I made it work and I threw on my karate pants and I had a t-shirt tucked it in. I was fine. And I rolled with them. That was my first time rolling with Sergio. And from there he started teaching classes and I just, I really have enjoyed coming to every single one of his classes. He's a very, Again, a very funny individual. Jiu-Jitsu is a completely different animal as far as compared to traditional martial arts. There's a different respect. You know, he doesn't expect me to call him Mr. Anything, and it's still hard. It's still really hard for me not to address him in any formal way. I mean, I still use sir, obviously, as often as I can, but mm -hmm. it's different. And so Sergio gave me my purple belt with you earlier this year in April, I think. Right. That's something we got together. Completely surprised us both. Yes. Yeah. Not prepared for it. Not not feeling worthy of it. Yes. But that's something you and I get to share, right? That's something that happened on the same day. Yes. Yeah. So I don't have to remember your anniversary because it's my anniversary. Right. <laughs> well, that's good because I don't remember it. Um, <laughs> I, I look back at it and I'm like, wow, was that eight months ago already? Holy, holy man. You know what I mean? So um, I remember... I remember us getting that together and, you know, that's the beauty of these things that, you know, Nathan Carlin kind of watched me go up the Tongsudo ranks along with Bo, Michael being watching all that. And, and, you know, there's this tight knit group that we have here that we get to train together. And that's something that you guys will have that for a long time now that, uh, you know, we, this is why I talk a lot about, um, you know, a master's rank and what that what that really entails or or the ones that call themselves masters but never train and never never pursue, uh, you know, greatness within themselves. It's not just to be great at this martial arts, but within yourself. I mean, you, to, to continue push, to continue show by example, which all you guys do, you know, um, and I don't take any of that lightly. I get to, you know, train with you guys and. And, you know, you know, being a little older, you know, it kind of, it kind of sucks that, you know, I didn't have this when I was a younger man, I didn't have this certain tribe like I have today. Uh, and so it's been fun watching you guys grow, getting better. Uh, you know, I don't know what it's, what's it like when you get to roll with like your main instructor? I mean, when we're together or is it just, we're just so close. You really don't think about that. I want to demolish you every time. Yeah. I, well, I know that. Uh, I 
I, every once in a while I would make a mistake, you, you know what I mean? And today it's like, you know, I tell, I tell everybody, you cannot give her an inch, man, okay? Because I'll take snatch it. your arm uh, like uh, Ronda Rousey. You know, you're the little Ronda Rousey of the school. You know, you like an arm bars like, like uh, you, you know, the, the way it goes. And, and so it's always fun. So let's talk about that, actually, because, you know, you're, you're a female in the martial arts world. Tell me, tell me what's been hard as a female instructor, or or do you feel you're proving yourself all the time? What's it like for you in that in that regards? Well, I uh, to backtrack a little bit, I would say I started Krav in May of 2018, immediately after I got my master's rank, because I had decided I've made this milestone in my life. I want to start a new art. And Krav Maga just kind of seemed like one of those things I was missing as far as my self-defense goes and my weapons technique go because I had jujitsu on the ground and I had dog brothers with weapons and as, as an offensive and I just felt like Krav was going to be a really good additive to that. So I started Krav. Krav is one of the only ones I feel like I continuously really have to prove myself as far as females are just as threatening you know we can be just as deadly as we need to be when the time calls for it uh jujitsu is one in the same slightly again i started and i've usually hung out at 185 i that was my walking weight i felt pretty good i didn't really think anything of it i've never been a person super obsessed with the scale number and then jujitsu kind of made me have to think about it again because I was getting put with these really big girls and it wasn't really giving me a chance to compete with people I really wanted to play with. And so looking at more recent tournaments right now, I want to get down to a lower weight because I want to be able to destroy anybody in the room and they can't say it's because you're bigger than me. Mm. You know, I want to wow. be able to destroy people based off pure technique alone. And that's where I think jujitsu has been super helpful with me feeling that way as far as being able to do that. Dog Brothers has been a super big part of that, too, because for open gatherings, you're not allowed to fight men with sticks. It's frowned upon and it is the way Crafty has always wanted it. And that's the way I've respected it. I will not fight a man at an open gathering with sticks. However, behind closed doors at the tribals, we are allowed to fight. And I will take every opportunity I can to fight men with sticks because I understand that they may be physically stronger, faster, and whatever else, but nobody's going to push me like they will. You know, it's um, there's nothing wrong with training with other women, but you can't limit yourself to that. You know, I think mm -hmm. that's where some schools don't do the best job and they isolate these women and they're like, Oh, we have women's only classes or this is a women's only seminar and it's great. And it's a really good experience, but it's okay. So now are you prepared for the big guy? Are you really prepared for somebody bigger and stronger than you and more intimidating and creepy and whatever else you want to add on top of it for men to come after you? And at this point in time, I want to say I'm comfortable with that. I'm comfortable with that idea, but before training with Sergio and before even Krav, it would have been a little different, you know? Um, Z, Z was one of these ones that really opened my eyes to Dog Brothers. He doesn't really do Dog Brothers. I see him train with Mr. Carlin every now and then. They kind of work on a lot of Dog Brothers stuff together, which is cool, but um, he came to grapple one night and we were grappling and we were having a good time and it was fun. And for whatever reason, he had a knife on him. There was a trainer 
and he pulled it out and he was in my garden. He's like, this is where I kill you. I'm like, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. You know, it's a very valid. He is way bigger than me and I had zero way to maintain it. And I had zero way to really keep him off me while he had the knife and he didn't hurt me or anything like that. It was just a eye opener. It was, you are being put in this position as a female. Can you really do anything? And from there, that's kind of where I was like, okay, like I need to expand more. Mm-hmm. I think that, yeah, I think that's, that's really good advice as far as uh, that goes. And, and I've said this before, I mean, when Croft first started, you know, Kathy was kind of the, um, one of the go-to females, you know, because she was just so gnarly when it came to self-defense and, and pad work and, and everything that she did. So, uh, and now you, you take on this role of being a role model for females inside because people may not know, but there's last time I had you grapple, everybody testing for a Krav Maga black belt, you tapped all of them multiple times in a two minute round, which is eye opening both for those going for black belt going, wow, I've got some, uh, you, it takes a lot for a person to just look at themselves and go, I am deficient here. And I got to, I got to work on that. You know what I mean? It's easier just to kind of walk away from it or put the blame elsewhere. Oh, I'm too old. I'm too fat. I'm too this. I'm too that. Right. I mean, we've heard Sergio say the same thing. It's either you're going to get down on the mat and, and, and get busy or, or get, get to losing one of the two. So, um, <laughs> Viverka. Yeah, she tapped him uh, maybe 16, 17 times. I, people don't really understand what happened that day, you know, and that was a statement because I just feel that as black belts, you guys are deficient in this area. Not that you have to be super efficient in every area, especially with Krav Maga, but you've got to be able to at least uh, take on a worthy opponent uh, on the street. You know what I mean? I mean, really what would happen, and that's including men that you tapped out, and it was eye-opening. And from that black belt test, I can tell you this, hardly any of them that I know of still train in jiu-jitsu after they got schooled. Yes. So, right? So you think about that for a minute. You're just like, wow. Um, There's one. And, you know, I respect her every time she steps on the map or stuff like that because she's trying. She is really trying. And uh, it's cool to watch her take that humble step back. And she's like, you know, this is where I was deficient. This is where I want to improve. Which female was that? Bridget. Oh, well, yes. Well, Bridget's, see, she's got a mindset kind of like you. You know what I mean? And she's a small woman, too, on top of it. So you're right about that. That was Bridget's test, correct? Yeah. And, and you know, I speak I speak highly of having strong women in, in, in the school on how important it is. Uh, anybody that, that talks to me, I, I really feel a strong woman's presence. We talk a lot about the real reality, real talk about females on the mat. And I think I've told you this story before that I wouldn't take from some females when I was coming up the rank. You know what I mean? I just didn't have, I, I, my ego was so inflated at that time. I'm like, uh, I mean, I would, I'd mop the floor with her. You know what I mean? I mean, literally what do you, what are you exactly, are you going to teach me? And then I, I, there's, you know, and that's just not all about martial arts as you keep going. You know what I mean? There's just a lot more than, than fighting. And then I, I missed a lot of good classes with some great females that we have. And, you know, Tiffany wing being one of them. And and she used to tell, you know, she used to 
do a class, but I'm like, you know, I'd go drive where Mr. I was because, you know, my, my male ego wasn't going to, you, you know, allow that to happen. And then I missed out on a lot of this. And then as years go on and I see what strong females, when they, when a strong female comes in, it's really important because there's a lot of broken females, believe it or not, that come into a martial arts school. They are, they're intimidated and they, if there's anything I've learned as a man, uh, I don't know. See, you, you're a little bit different. You're, you're more in our mold. You know what I mean? Being on 75 hard, you did 75 hard with us, correct? Yes. Which sucked, right? And yeah. but and then we got you on this on this page. So you're around all of us and you have that same gene per se that, you know, I'm not going to make excuses and I'm not going to stop. And this is what I'm going to do. But there's a lot of females that just don't have that, you know. Uh, yeah, I've learned that from being a dad with some, you know, even you, right? There's a there's a tough side to you. And then, then what do you do with them? What do you pull on me? You start crying. All right. Yeah. That's messed up. No, that's, that's not right. That is a, that is unfair fighting. Kathy does the same thing to me. It drives me crazy. And, uh, so I think that being that role model that you are in the school, because now you've got, you've got these young girls that are, are looking up to you and they're, and they're just like, wow, man, Miss Ashley can be, uh, I want to be like that. I want to be able to tap the boys. I want to be able to to uh to do this and then you have that you have the way to be able to talk to these young young women and make them into young warriors you know what i mean yeah you know we don't we don't produce princesses we produce warriors with princess looks you know what i mean so different different kind of feminism definitely here and it is uh i am equal and i will show you that you know yeah yeah, which is good. I, I I just I always feel that way. I, I think uh I think people miss the boat when you don't have a, a strong uh females presence in there. And some females can take uh hardcore instructing like myself or whatever, and some can't take it. You know what I mean? And so it's important that you have a female that's able to talk to them and say, Hey, this is the reality of what what's going to be like when when you get attacked. You know what I mean? Because there was a time. It, it's funny. I mean, people don't know, but you know, when I used to roll with you a little bit, you know, I'd let you play around and do your thing and stuff like that. But now, see, I I can't just allow that anymore because your skill level is getting to a point now that. Uh, but on the same token, you know, I'm big and I'm strong, and I want you to have to be able to deal with that because I know if you can deal with me, you're going to be able to deal with quite a few. Uh, out there, you know what I mean, yes. right? And you've had some big and strong guys, right? But when they don't have technique, you know, you've snatched them up, right? We're talking about hardcore Marines. We're talking about uh, police. We're talking about some men that are hardcore. That all of a sudden you're tapping them, and I mean, it is a slice of humble pie for sure. You know what I mean? And so, uh, even myself, I think last time we did it, did you snatch me up last time? I did some mistake with my arm. Did you snatch my arm? It might have been an arm bar. Yeah. And, and I said something like, uh, nah, I ain't doing that again. You ain't yeah. getting that. You, you, you're, if you're going to get one, you're going to work for it from now on. Yes. You know what I mean? And so, uh, you know, we had to change. And I'm sure John feels the same way as we, as we go. Actually, you you just become a uh, – I'm looking forward to your competition on the weekend to see what, what's going to come about from that. So, um Patrick said she caught me one or two. I, you know, should we get armbar patches for you, Ashley? So every time you get one, you have like a little notch on your belt. I'd be okay with that. <laughs> I think I need a longer belt. <laughs> 
Yeah, what you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bully tapped me twice with an armbar yesterday, sir. Oh, uh, I wouldn't know. I wasn't at that jujitsu. It's okay. Uh, roll. It's we'll a, do it tomorrow too. Are we? That's right. Well, we got it. That's that's correct. We have a very early morning uh, workout together. Uh, that's been uh, awesome, you guys. You know, you guys kind of showing up to the house and we and allowing me to work out with you guys and and get our workouts in as you guys get prepared for this uh, this tournament you guys got coming up and. So I just wanted to take that time actually to tell you what I'm glad you're able to get your story out there because I don't really people think how much you, um, you know, behind the scenes, how much you do to a point that it's that you take on too much for yourself. You know what I mean? So and then you stress yourself out. Yes. But <laughs> I mean, what's it like? I mean, you know, what's the school been for you? You know what I mean? Because, you know, this is like a, a home away from home. As a matter of fact, I know that you have family members that even, you know, why are you there so much? Why is it, why are you, you know, what, it, you, you, you know, what is it, what is it about the school that, that, that makes you grounded, I guess? You know, it's hard to describe, I guess. Um, it's definitely teaching. Teaching will always put me in a much better mood, regardless of how I feel right before I'm about to teach a class. I mean, we all talk about it. You know, sometimes you come in and you don't want to be there. And, you know, I've had days like that. And I make the commitment to be here to teach. And if I have to leave immediately after, I leave. But most times I want to hang out and I want to spend time here with the people here, you know. As much as a lot of the parents here uh, can drive me crazy, I love a lot of the families here. They're very good people. They're very pure hearted. And um, it's really cool to, again, you know, it's we see people walk in and out the doors all the time. And it's a matter of I don't care what kind of impact I can make on your life. I care how I can make your life better. I don't care if you remember me. I care if you remember what I teach. Mm. Yeah, that's I think that's. That's good. I think that we talk a lot about uh, the mat is a cleansing uh, for the soul, for sure. You know, I couldn't imagine not being able to get physical uh, on the mat. That's why. And, you know, can you imagine? Tell me that jujitsu or even your dog brothers has not erased a lot of ego, correct? Because yeah, if you absolutely. go in with an ego or with a, with a mindset that I can't learn or... Uh, if you go in with a mindset, well, I got a master's rank, you know, uh, I don't want to put myself out there because I'm kind of the master. Uh, you get nothing, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, I think that life, life deals a lot of stuff to you, man. And it, 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 you know, and you've been dealt with, uh, uh, so you man, you've been up against the rope several times. You know that you had to overcome and and do it. And then it, it looks like martial arts is what's what's brought you out of it every single time. That yes. that you know it's and right the lessons we learn on the mat spill over to um, life like so much. Right, mm-hmm. getting getting watching even a, a a black belt test i saw last week right uh in georgia so you know you watch somebody that's getting tattered and their ego gets engaged and then all of a sudden they're headbutting people you know what i mean and uh and then after that 
you lo- have to look for the compassion. You have to you, you have to look at yourself and say, oh, man, did I did I do something? Was that right or was that wrong? And I think you do that a lot with your martial arts because you come and talk to me quite often about uh, about that. Hey, how do I become a better teacher? How do I, I become this? Um, and, you know, you hear a lot of stuff from me. And I'm a tough dude. I'm a tough I'm a tough instructor. And I and I say the truth. So tell me how you feel, how as a because sometimes, especially females, man, they, I, I come across really strong. And, you know, there's times that you've left my office crying. And that's not fair. Just just so you know, that's not you're not allowed to use tears in the uh, office. Just so you know, that's unfair fighting. Kathy said I could. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, you learn from the best because she's done that every once in a while. So, <laughs> what's it? What's it like? Uh, actually, give me some advice. What you think when you got somebody that's tough like this and that 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 I want more uh, out of you? Um, I, I mean, I think I'm drawn to this place and to the arts I do because they humble me because I know I can get very prideful very quickly. I naturally, I don't know what it is. I just, I develop a very big ego very quickly. And I, I ask God every day to humble me. So I don't have to be humbled. And sometimes he's able to help me with that. And sometimes it doesn't work out that way. And I need to be humbled. And it's embarrassing and it is what it is, but it's also a very big learning point for me. And it's like, you can't present yourself this way. You can't think this way. And it's not um, the confidence I walk with. I think I try to, I just, I hold it like that. I hold it like confidence. I don't try and walk around with pride and a chip on my shoulder, you know, because I look at these young girls, even some of these younger boys that, you know, they like to help my classes now. And I'm like, hold your head up high. Be proud of what you do. It's um, you have to believe in what you do to the point where you you don't even think about it anymore, you know. And that's where um, learning how to teach as a younger kid, I think, really helped me develop naturally as an adult. And I think that's part of where I get my ego is I feel so comfortable in a lot of situations that it doesn't stress me out or freak me out. And then I get humbled and jujitsu and dog brothers have been very good for that. I mean, even Krav sometimes, you know, it's, I think I do the technique correctly because this is the textbook answer for it. And it doesn't work because I'm relying on the technique and not the principles. And that's Mm. where I think it's frustrating, especially as a traditional martial artist is, well, this is the technique. This is what I was supposed to be doing. Why didn't it work? And sometimes it doesn't work out and you just have to figure it out from there. But yeah. You you know, I think that, um, you know, you've probably two of the biggest uh, strong males in your life is probably Kenny and myself, I would imagine, you know, both pretty hard. um, In different ways. Yes. Right. In a, in a different probably in a different way for sure so you know the lessons learned from that once you once you once you put that out there because i hear this quite often right that i'm super intimidated to come and talk to but once you do it's like wow that really wasn't as bad as what i thought that was going to be and uh you know i'm not sure why i've always you know i've always had that kind of that intimidating uh deal and i don't i don't really know what what 
warrants it or what brings it on, but it, it just is what it is. So I think that you can, you come from a perspective that you can help a lot of people because sometimes, you know, people are like, uh, how do you deal with Mr. Cox? Cause I'm hard. I mean, I'm hard on you. I'm tough on you. You know what I mean? Just like I'm tough on Michael and, and I know, cause I think about these things. I, I run this stuff in my head. If, if, if my leadership is good or is it poor, am I, am I getting my point across or am I just, uh, you know, raising my voice and, and being pissed off? You know what I mean? So why don't you give some advice on, on, on what, how you take the lessons or how you process the lessons I think is even better because it takes a minute. Sometimes you just walk out you're like, all right, I'm out. And then you got to have to process that. How's that work? Um, As young as you are. I want to say a big factor of it is, you know, obviously learning why, I'm being talked to a certain way or why I am being told certain things. And I take a lot of what I get from you as um, practice for me, as far as this is what it will be like to run your own school. Are you prepared for that? And it's, you know, it's like, I can take a step back and I hear Kenny in the back of my head. Sometimes he's like, not a lot of women stick around very long. You know, it's um, there's been a filter of women before me who have been like me as far as like running this little dragons program and they just, they kind of come in and they come out because it's hard. It's really hard to be in this male dominated environment where, you know, it's like, well, he's talking down to me because I'm a woman. It's like, no, he's talking down to me because I messed up. Like it, that's where I have to separate is I don't feel like I'm ever being looked at and belittled because I'm a female. Now that's where I think other females can get it twisted where it's, uh, well, no, he's attacking me because I'm a woman and because I am this way. And it's no, he's, he is trying to help. You are always trying to help. And I think that's where it's hard for people to understand that it's not an attack on my gender. It is more of, Hey, like this, this wasn't what I wanted. This isn't how it should be, but this is what you need to do to fix it. And that's where I'm like, okay, like I'll fix it. You know? And again, I take it as training for when I want my own school. Everything I do here is practice. Right. Well, that's true. And you, it's going to, it's a hard knock life. I can tell you that, you know what I mean? I don't hit it out of the park. I can tell you that for a fact. Okay. It's, it's all the time. And I'm, I'm always uh, grateful for you actually, because it does put a check on me as, uh, as a leader sometimes. And then I got to bounce it off, like maybe Kathy or something like that. I'm like, man, am I too hard on her or what? What's up, man? I said, because it's just how it's going to be. I mean, you're going to take it on the chin, uh, quite often, especially, this I don't care what anybody says. This is a very hard world uh, to do what you're going to do. But then when you're somebody like yourself, Ashley, that you're out there and you're earning respect, you're not earning respect because you're Mark Cox's student. You're earning respect because you're Assy Sage and your training. OK, uh, being one of mine doesn't make it uh, that doesn't make you automatically just some badass. This is your uh, this is your thing. This is your work ethic. This is not a Mark Cox thing. This is a an Ashley thing. And, and I'm super proud to, to, to watch you continually excel, right? Both as a teacher and as a, uh, as a practitioner. And you're only 23. You're, you're so ahead of the curve that it's not even funny. Believe it or not, I only started, I started when I was about 20 or 21. You've been getting to have all this and all this life experience. And then you get to capitalize on all the mistakes that I ever made. And continue to make, you know, because we've had these talks, right? Hey, uh, you see the way I handled that? Uh, don't do that. 
Okay. That's yes. not that that that's not going to work out real well. And so it's been awesome that they say uh, men uh, forge iron, iron sharpens iron. You you've heard that all the time. But uh, a strong female uh, helps put us in check, helps us become better men, helps us become better better leaders. And so with that, you know, I want to make sure that you understand. I wanted to put you out here and let people know just what your story is, just how important you are and why you are the instructor that you are. Because I know that you hear a lot of it. How do you take Mr. Cox's, uh, um, you know, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not, I know that I'm a strong individual and I jump on you hard sometimes and you just, you take it on the chin almost to the point now it's not as fun anymore. All right. Cause you learn how to deal with me uh, a little bit more. <laughs> right. So I'm like, that's not even fun. I can't even do that. I gotta have to go a different route or she's going to start crying or something. And then it's going to be messed up. And so <laughs> that's, that's, I guess, Hey, if you're fighting fair, you're not really fighting is right. That is right. Correct. Is that correct? That's, that is and the so way. Yeah, that's, that's correct. And so I, I just wanted to get people out here to know that, uh, base. I, I've had a lot of strong females come through my school. A lot, man. And and all of them have unique qualities. Uh, I'm blessed to have every female that that really was a, a leader. Uh, but I do appreciate the loyalty to the school, the loyalty to your students, and the loyalty to all your arts. It's not just Tongs at O. It's like, you know, we've dived into this thing this jujitsu thing together, something that we get to have, you get to have with me forever. Michael watching you and Michael kind of, you, you know, grow up together now in this martial arts. And you, guess what? You guys are going to have such better students, even than what we've produced here because of what the knowledge that you guys have at such a young age. I mean, right. Haven't you seen the progression of how, wow. Remember there was a time it was just Tong Sudo. It's just what we do. And I remember doing techniques going, this is the lamest stuff ever that we're doing. Okay. Like knife one steps where you step with a knife with a what. It, and when you do it, you know that this is just so stupid. Right. But we had nothing. Instead, we started exploring more and, and, and everything else. And then bring all that back to Tong Sudo. I mean, our Tong Sudo is off the chart. We have such this awesome, uh, uh, school and you're a huge part of that because we get to, to, uh, train every week together. And I don't take that stuff lightly, especially when we lost mom. You know, people can come and go at, at, at the blink of an eye that all of a sudden they were there and all of a sudden they're not. And I just uh, thankful that I got to have you. You're here and that you're still here. And so our next endeavor together is I've spoke to you about, OK, it's time to launch our our Brazilian Jiu Jitsu kids classes, both in Simi and in, in Chatsworth and having you kind of head that up is a way of probably having your own school within the school, right? Now you really get to see what that's going to look like to build your own your own thing. And uh, I'll be back there, you know, pushing you along and seeing how it goes. I mean, you're looking forward to that, right? Yes, it should be exciting come 2022. Yes, it's right. So you're in charge of our little rollers program, right? So, you know, Carson put a little rollers program together and then we decided that hey let's start grappling them at three years old so tell me how how much of you love that experience i have really enjoyed it again you know i mean teaching in general i've been asked by a couple of these junior instructors which one do you like more do you like teaching little dragons or little rollers and i'm like you know 
it's a different love for both of them because the kids that I think have some of the hardest time in both surprise me. I had my little boy Isaiah and I was working with him and I was going over a double leg takedown and I was telling him how to do the double leg. And in the middle of it, he's like, I'm going to do a back break fall. And I was like, yes, you are. Yes, absolutely. And I'm like thinking in my head, I'm like, you're three. How did you remember that? <laughs> you know, like, and they just, they amaze me every time I step on the mat. And I mean, you know, these kids, they are like what chats were threes. They are hard. They smash their face into the ground. They cry about it and they get over it and they're back on the mat and then they get better and they don't do any tears. They smash their face in the ground and they get right back to it. I don't know what I did. It was either you or John or Sergio on Wednesday. I have a bruise in the middle of my forehead. <laughs> Cause I think I literally smashed my head on somebody's head and I was like, yeah, that hurts, you know, but, um, it's definitely, I love, I love the little rollers class right now because I'm also seeing that the junior instructors are having a different time with these kids and it's almost more enjoyable because jujitsu is a little bit more free. It's, it's, it's been great watching you develop that thing. And that, that's, that's a, that's an Ashley Sage thing watching you go on there. I'll get out there with you a little bit and, and say, okay, let's, let's get them, let's get them moving here a little bit more. And you take coaching really well. And then you're off, off to the races, man. You've done an awesome job with these little guys. Can you imagine what those guys are going to be at 16 and 17? Yes. I mean, will they not far surpass any of our black belts here now? Not because they weren't good. It's just our knowledge is so much more because we continue training and you've taken it all to a next level yourself and, and being a competitor, you're just going to have these naturally competitive kids because that's what you are. You know what I mean? It's so, I'm so stoked to see what happens, right? What, what's going to happen with this as we expand this, uh, this, this into a different thing. I mean, I couldn't have a better, 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 better people behind me, man, you know, with Mr. Carlin and Kathy and yourself and Michael and Dickie and, and, uh, even Brooks now Brooks is coming into his own on his, on these kids programs. And you've taken these youth that, you know, are, are kind of getting burned out, which is so natural. And then you bring them in to become these instructors where they have a new flourish and a new love for the martial arts. I know it's hard, right? Because it takes away from our main, but we're like, how can it be? But that's what keeps them engaged. And that could keep some comments and you're a big part of that. So I really appreciate uh, everything that you, uh, that you bring to the table, looking forward to what it's going to, what's going to happen. Right. Cause we're going to get uh, John's, I think John's still online. Right. So don't tell anybody, but we're going to smoke them uh, when it comes to building a kid's program. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so that's, I will do that, my best. That's, you know what I'm saying? Because we're nothing, you know, it's not like we're competitive or anything, but we are going to smoke them. And, uh, and then you get to have the bragging rights on it. You know, yes. I'll be behind pushing you to the front. There you go. Right. So I'm okay with that. that's good. All right. Well, we're, you know, we went almost about an hour and 10 minutes. So it was good, man. I was, I'm glad, it, uh, we got to do this, uh, uh, for everybody. I hope, uh, everybody gets a little bit more knowing you. I did this last minute, by the way, this is the kind of character you have. Okay. Do you remember I put out on, I have two thousand or twenty seven hundred I don't know of friends right that are, are you know friends that are friends and friends that aren't friends or whatever however Facebook works and I put out I need a ride to the airport do you remember that yes I had zero response yes from anybody yeah 
except you. And then yeah. you direct message. I'll just take you to the airport. What time we need to go? Yeah. And then I felt so bad because it's so early in the morning. I'm like, nah. And then <laughs> you're like, uh, right. And you just took us here and picked us up here the last time. Right. This is the kind of character you really know people's character. If they're going to give you a ride to the airport. Yes. That's all I can tell you. Right. You can, because there's some <laughs> things that people can't stand to do to help others. Right. It's moving and taking you to the airport or picking you up from the airport. Those two things are like taboo. And yes. the ones that jump in to do it, you just have. Just so everybody knows, she's done it. She's done it for Michael. She's done it for me. She'll, she'll get up at the crack of dawn. She met me at 4 o'clock in the morning, me and Kathy, to take us to LAX here a week ago. So just wanted to let everybody know what, what kind of character you really have. Now, I am still trying to get you to stop drinking your, your energy drinks, though. So that's... That's 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 uh that's the only thing that's the only vice I'm trying to only vice curb. only vice you have no other vices I feel <laughs> like we're doing really good that's that's good right you're doing awesome on your I mean how much weight have you lost now you can see you can see it in your face here sitting here I mean you're down to what now one one fifty five I've what? lost thirty pounds thirty and... pounds so far should try and right and how hard. Listen, this is the last thing we'll talk about, right? But even a woman being competitive in, in jiu-jitsu, how hard has it been to find other women at your rank and weight to be able to even compete against? I mean, for the last tournament, I had nobody in my bracket, and they told me the day before that it looked like I wasn't going to have anybody to compete with. And then for this one, I had one girl sign up the day before they closed signups. So I will at least get two matches. I'm super excited for that. But I look at all of the brackets for women and the biggest bracket right now for this kind of specific tournament league is the 130. So I want to get down to 130 and then be able to destroy all of them and then still tell the tournament circuit, hey, I'll go with these bigger girls because I know it's hard as somebody who was a uh, bigger girl to be able to compete with people because nobody wants to compete with you because you're so big. And it's like, well, no, like my jujitsu is comfortable enough. It shouldn't matter how big you are. I'm okay with that, you know? Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's good. You're a competitor, man. You're a warrior, Ashley. I love you to death like you're uh, my own kid. So, uh, you know, there's that. Well, you get asked, well, well, you've been told that you're my daughter how many times, right? Wherever you go. Oh, you're Mr. Cox's daughter. Yes. <laughs> you're at the point now, but yeah. Michael's sister, yeah. Yeah, Michael's sister, you know, that's, it is, it is. you look at the family anyway. So. Yes. We're just going to, we'll just, we'll just go from that. All right. I appreciate everything, man. I love you, kid. And, uh, we'll be, uh, we'll be training together here, even though you're right next door in the office, believe it or not, she's right next door in the office doing this podcast with us. All right. Yes. All right. We got to get it. Bye, I love you, guys. Kid. I'll talk to you. Bye. You've been listening to real talk with Mark Cox, real life, real topics, real conversation we're passionate about motivation fitness self-defense weight loss and coming at it from a real angle we hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show and we hope you had fun we know we did we'll be back soon but in the meantime hit us up on instagram and facebook at mark cox 100 make sure to subscribe and review and tell a friend or two about the show. For more, hit up the website at markcox.com. Till next time, keep it real.